welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. So, welcome to Sunday morning of the We Have a Solution Step Study Retreat here at Neal's. And uh, so, <clears throat> we, we, uh, we're just grateful yet again for Neal's uh, amazing hospitality. And uh, breakfast was a knock out of the park. Uh, which we're starting to realize we should not be surprised at. Um, <laughs> a man can cook, I, I will give you that. So it's uh, it's been a treat to be here and watch the ships go by and, and uh, here on the on the river. So anyway, um, what we're going to get into today is is uh, is step eleven and step twelve to wrap this up. Um, but uh, before. Um, before we get started, uh, I just want to introduce myself again. I'm Bob, a sexaholic, and I ask, um, I'll ask my uh, my partner in crime here to introduce himself as well, and then we'll do a serenity prayer. Good morning, I'm Kevin. I'm a sexaholic. Kevin. Kevin. So, um, after a moment of silence for those that are still suffering, um, we'll we'll all say the uh, the, the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And that will not mine be done. So with that, um, I think what we'll do is we'll just dive right into the Step 11 stuff. Um, but before we do that... I. One of the things I, I urge you guys to do um, is a couple of things. You know, once you've been in the materials uh, a lot, and your sponsors had you do a lot of different things in the materials, and you, you'll, what you'll find is you'll begin to get very familiar with them. You'll begin to get, um, hopefully, you'll begin to get very familiar with the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, you'll begin to get familiar with the steps, and uh, to the point where. If asked by anybody on the street, you could give all 12 with better than you can tell the officer the alphabet. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not going anywhere with that, by the way. But <laughs> but really, it's just it gets like that after a while, and and so it doesn't hurt to uh, uh, write out the third step prayer in your own words. It doesn't hurt to write out any of these things in your own words. So I had written out the 12 steps on a post-it. Um, and uh, I'd like to just kind of read that for you. So um, these are kind of my own take on things. Step one, only step done perfectly. Absolute powerlessness. Unmanageability is the proof. Step two, I'm not God. One is the proof. <clears throat> I need a God bigger than my problems. Three, a prayer that makes a deal with God. Four, my list of resentments. 
5. A discussion about my resentments to be rid of them. 6. Became willing to understand our shortcomings, our defects. 7. Asked our step to God to remove our shortcomings, our defects. 8. Listed who we we had wronged and got ready to make amends. 9. Made direct amends where possible without harming others. 10. Get with God about your... <clears throat> 10 is get with God about your day. Fix what you broke. 11. Meditate and pray. Contact God about His will for us. And then 12. Having made these changes, tell others and practice this in all you do. So that's timely because we're getting down near the end of this. And... Um, one of the things that it helps me do is to take if there's if there's something important that I need to learn um, is to write it in my own words because that demonstrates I had to have understood it in order to get it down. And the other thing that that we talk about so much in this in the big book is with the way the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is is written, you can always typically go to the front pages of the big book and say it to yourself in first person or even write it out in first person. Um, That has been a huge um, help for me because I just always qualify for everything that's being said in there. So to to do it in first person is just a a direct assault on my addiction. And I do that in the white book too. And so just a couple things I've picked up over the years that I really like to do. So, step 11. What's step 11, Kevin? Well, <clears throat> step 11, the, the text on step 11 in the big book starts at the bottom of 85, and it says, step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. I think it says here, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Yeah, that's a long one. It is. <laughs> It's a long one, but it's basically um, me get with God, figure out what He wants you to do. Um, that that would be my synopsis of, of step eleven. Step eleven suggests prayer and meditation. We shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. It would be easy to be vague about this matter, yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Where were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Where were we kind and loving toward all? What could we have done better? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time, or were we thinking of what we could do for others, of what we could pack into the stream of life? But we we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So that's like 10 and 11 
combined right there, that read. Well, I was going to comment that, you know, I, I read that, and I, I used to think that that was uh, 10, but we've already done 10. We're watching constantly for selfishness, dishonesty, and resentment and fear. And here we're talking about step 11, prayer and meditation. And I think this paragraph is, is, um, is asking a bunch of questions that, that, um, that I'm to meditate on. Right, okay. When I retire at night. And I, I, I just kind of get that, get that straight um, <clears throat> in my head, meditate on those things, and then I follow that up with prayer to ask God to forgive, uh, forgive me for, for any wrongs I have done, and um, seek his um, guidance on how I should make uh, how I should make that right. Um, but notice it also says that that uh, you know um, that we uh, um, think about some positive things too. Um, were we kind and loving toward all? That, that's that's kind of a neutral question, whereas some of the other questions are, you know, do we owe an apology, which makes an assumption that that uh, that we've been resentful, dishonest, selfish, or, or afraid. Um, but were uh, were we loving and kind toward all? Well, if I can check that one, that's that's a that's a good thing. Um, what could we have done better? So this is this is kind of a um, this is really the process of, of uh, self-examination for for the purpose of improvement. Each day I, I review these things and I ask God, how can I improve on these things? <clears throat> then on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. So I'm going to meditate on what you know. What's on my calendar? You know, what's what's uh, what are the things that I know are coming today? Um, before we begin, meaning before we begin the day, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance. For after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. Think about that, our thought life. You're like me. Your thought life, you know, the things that you think... When, when you start start getting into this program, when you start getting some recovery going, and, and uh, you know, at least I, for me, I, I started uh, realizing that my thoughts were um, disturbing, you know, um, negativity, uh, just just muddled thinking. In fact, you know, it's muddled thinking that, that really, you know, as Bob says, my best thinking got me to this program, That's right? Exactly right. Well, yeah, I know for me it's been it's been a it's been a long haul because um, you know 
in the earlier steps, what you're doing is you're clearing away this wreckage. And, and when there's wreckage, you know, when I'm tripping over wreckage all the time, I can't seem to cast off the, the fear responses because I'm still in fear. I can't seem to keep the craziness out of my head, you know, and it's it's not until I do all this previous work that we talked about yesterday that I can even be present to consider what's being talked about here. Um, as long as I'm driven by a hundred forms of self-centeredness and self-interest of any type, as long as I'm driven by fear, um, I don't get to even calm down enough to even entertain this. And at least not very well if I do because I'm my head's I'm just scrambling you know and I spent a lot of time in my life just scrambling so this is this is you know coming in kind of late and it's pretty new so if this seems kind of preposterous to you I want to welcome you to the program because you know you're one of many uh, this whole notion that we ask God to divorce our thinking um, direct our thinking especially that it be divorced from self-pity I don't even know how to do that. At first, I didn't even know how to do that. It had to almost be kind of done for me. You know, as a result of having done certain steps and certain work, and I started to actually find it, I just I realized I was calmed down. You know, I remember coming out of Adrian Prison after a meeting at Adrian Prison, and I was well along into, you know, step eight or nine or something. And, you know, things were starting to calm down. And I remember standing in this brand new Bob Evans, and the finished carpenter was just there, and he left and a couple of days before, I guess. And uh, the the woodwork in that place was beautiful. <laughs> this guy knocked it out of the park. I mean, there's a lot of moldings inside one of those restaurants, you know. There's a lot to do. And, and I remember standing in line to wait to pay for my, my tab, and the only thing I could, the only thing I was thinking about was... Kenny G on the stereo and all this beautiful woodwork and then it occurred to me the only thing I'm thinking about is Kenny G and the woodwork and I had never remembered that little noise in my mind before the shock and awe was I never remembered there only being those two things on my mind and they were in the here and now and it just just rocked my world what happened to all that noise Where's all the background noise that have always ever been there? Well, it's gone. I'm not scared anymore. I just left prison as a visitor. How cool is that? <laughs> I'd qualify to fight to be in there probably, but that never happened. How cool is that? You know, I just had nothing going on but the moldings and the music. And it took a long time, all right? And so if this is a stretch for you, I want to welcome you to the program. It takes a while, but it's absolutely worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Because this is what it, we mean when we say God will do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And as we build this habit of getting with God about you know, directing our thinking and divorcing us from self-pity, I don't even know how to start to do that. I wouldn't know where to begin. Um, except that there's this spiritual kit of tools my sponsor keeps talking about that we've been talking about all weekend, and that is the way forward to finding out how to divorce myself. And it's not me doing the divorcing. I mean, I want it over with, but i got to have God's help too. You know, There's a lot that gets done in my world and in my soul and in my mind and in my spirit by God to help, you know, if nothing else, calm down the noise. 
and my thought life was placed on a much higher plane um, when thinking <clears throat> when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives that suggests I'm not going to do it who's going to do the clearing well I know for me it wasn't going to be me because I, I I only could help with part of that so after I've done all this step work and after I've done all this stuff like I was just saying some of my wrong motives just dropped off they just cleared and again so what's going on here in 11 it's about conscious contact with God and that becomes important it becomes what to do you know because people only ever do what they're they want to do they, they don't ever do anything they don't want to do you guys are here because you wanted to be here the guys that aren't here didn't want to be here that's all right it's none of my business really but people only ever do what they want to do. And my wrong motives, I wanted them gone. I, I couldn't figure out quite how to do them. So I stayed around this solution long enough to where they dropped off. And now what I've discovered is that this higher power that I found in two is something to team up with, man. Because it's doing for me stuff I've always wanted to do and couldn't. So why would I not want to do that? See what I'm saying? I start to build myself up a set of motives. i got to have motives. Because when I have a reason to do something, I'm liable to want to choose to do it. It's going to be what I want. So my sponsor talks about when he's working with guys that are new or guys that have slipped or whatever. He says, I'm a lot more worried about changing what it is you want. I want to know if you want to change what it is you want. I'm worried more about that than what step you're on. I don't care about how much sobriety you got. What I want to know is, are you willing to do the hard work of changing what it is you want? That's what we're about. That's what we're about here. And this step eleven, this conscious contact with God is just—that's just a—that's <laughs> a mechanism to get that going on. And that's why we say one, two, three in the morning, and seven, ten, and eleven at night. That's that's my commentary for the moment. That's one. And continue reading here, <clears throat> bottom of page 86. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here, we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought, or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration we come to rely upon it. <clears throat> um, it's not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Um, there's a story about Bill Wilson. Uh, I, th I think it's in the 12 and 12 somewhere. Um, <clears throat> having this great idea you know, wants to wants to build this 
this hospital and, and club for AA and where where each floor you know have the AA club have the they have the training floor you know you're going to teach alcoholics about alcoholism have a hospital where you can treat alcoholics and 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 this is this was basically you know Bill's Bill's idea for um, for um, proselytizing basically you know the AA way of life. Um, Incorrigible salesman that he was, I can see yeah, how that absolutely. might Absolutely, and and uh, <laughs> he, he has this great idea, and he comes home and he he uh, he tells his wife about it, and she's like, eh, I, I don't know, it, you know, I don't I don't know about that, you know, and Bill insists that this is some great idea that he was inspired, you know, um, he thinks he was inspired by God to do this. And uh, he, he takes it, takes it to his uh, to the to the group to the meeting, and the guys like, eh, I don't know, that doesn't quite sound right, you know. And it it turns out that this became this became the basis for the the concept of attraction rather than promotion. Um, <clears throat> it's in one of the one of the traditions. Um, But uh, you know, so you know, Bill could have paid for that that assumption or presumption that that uh, he was inspired. Um, he could could have paid for that uh, quite dearly. Um, you know, AA may have suffered because of it. But fortunately, he took it to other people. You know, and that's that's kind of a clue to me. You know, to check check this stuff out with someone else. Um, yeah, tradition eight. I think so. On that one. Um, <clears throat> so I, I'm going to read that again. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Um, so you know, when I when I get a brilliant idea, when I think I'm inspired, uh, I'm going to take that to someone. Um, you know, someone else and, and run that by them too. Because, um, you know, my, my, my thinking, I, I don't know that I can ever trust my, my thinking to be, uh, to be completely uh, divorced from self-seeking um, and dishonest motives. <clears throat> we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of, uh, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. So this is this is more of of, um, of getting rid of our our selfishness, our self will, the me me me, even in our uh, prayer and conscious contact with God, which is a very personal activity. Um, uh, so, so we ask, uh, 
for freedom from self-will, we, we pray for other people. Um, you know, in, in speaking about you know what to pray for, I, I talked a little bit about how to start prayer yesterday, about just acknowledging God for who God is, um, and and that's a wonderful way to get yourself started. The thing I've noticed over the years in recovery is is that uh, even at first, especially, I had kind of a convenience store God. I only really went to him when I was in trouble or needed something, and uh, <laughs> and it was in and out, you know. Didn't spend much time there, um, honestly, and and that was hard. Um, you're not going to ever doing that really make much of a conscious contact, really. Um, but honestly, that I don't know that that was what my voice was back then. It was long before I came to. Well, it wasn't all that long before I came to recovery, but. In, in recovery now, what I discover that I do um, today is uh, I've got a lot of people on my mind um, to pray about. And what I also realize is that it's none of my business what they need. You know, how could I even know? So when I talk to God about these people, I, I pray for my immediate family, my extended family, my family in recovery, and my family of friends that I've been given, that all their needs would be met. And God, that's none of my business. That's for you to do. I don't even know what they are, but I just pray that you meet their needs. And if there are specific needs I am aware of, I'll lift those up too. But the bottom line is, is that I don't really waste a lot of time asking for a bunch of stuff I need other than just guidance. Um... If I'm baffled by something, I don't present solutions. I present the issue. It's a big difference. I used to present solutions all the time to God. I must have been a real source of entertainment. Uh, I got a pretty slim view on it. You know, and I'm calling the shots. Yeah, that's pretty scary. So anymore, it's not about that. It's about, you know, here's what's going on. And, you know, it's easy enough to see that this or that or the other thing could be, could be going on. But I, I know there's a lot more to it. There always is. There just always was. Always will be. A lot more to it. And so I just need, you know... It's all based on the fact that this is all in God's hands. If it's really all in God's hands, then I ought to be able to go to Him with that. I ought to be able to say, Hey, God, you know what? Uh, I'm starting to look like I'm, I'm going to be in trouble here. It's starting to look like this is going to be tough. Or it's starting to look like this is going to be really good. And and I just I just need your help. I need your help, whatever that is. And and it's just it's easier. You can meditate on that. And then the other part, you know, we talk about meditating and being quiet. You know, at some point you gotta shut up and listen. <laughs> and uh, if you've got a favorite park or place to go, that's a really cool thing to do to help you shut up and listen. One of the nice things about where I work is I'm about ten or fifteen minutes away from Belle Isle. So I get in the car and I go down to Belle Isle and I walk out to the, the one tip of the island that faces Renson and I'll sit on the park bench there and I'll just let the river go by. And I'll sit quietly and just try to meditate. And uh, I'll be there for 15-20 minutes. Get back in the car and go back to work. My afternoon is very different when I do that. It's much better. That really works. And so, you know, we're crazy busy. If you're employed today 
in southeastern Michigan, you're crazy busy. I haven't met anybody who isn't. And I want to tell you, for especially for folks that are wound as tight as we get, you know, that 10-15 minutes somewhere peaceful is crucial. You gotta stick it in wherever you can. You know, don't try to plan it on a concrete spot in your calendar unless you really have one because you gotta be able to be willing to ad lib and stick it in where you can and just go do that stuff because it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference in the quality of my recovery. And if I don't have good if I don't have good spiritual fitness, you know, I'm not as good at work. I'm not certainly as good at home. So there's a lot of real good reasons to when you think about it to, to maintain this. So it's a very important thing. Yeah, so I wanted to um just kind of uh, touch on this idea about reviewing the day and thinking about the day ahead. Um, uh, and, and how does that how does that jive with with um, what we often um, say about living in the present? You know, this is this is not reviewing the day is not living in the past. It's, it's taking an honest assessment of of um, of what we've done, how we've spent our day. It's not dwelling on any specific thing and and uh, you know worrying about um, <clears throat> you know how how that could have been different. What should I have said? You know what what yeah, it, it's a it's an assessment of the day. Where was I right? Where was I wrong? And then. Uh, where do I where do I need to um, make amends, and then asking God um, uh, to show show me the way, show me what I need to do. Um, and the same thing on, on awakening and reviewing my day ahead. Um, am I future tripping? No, I'm simply looking at the things that I got to do that day, or if there's nothing that I have to do that day, asking God to show me. You know, through the day, what what the next right thing is. Um, it's it's basically just setting up uh, setting up my day to be to be guided by God, um, not worrying about anything coming up. If I'm worried about something coming up, I'm worried about a meeting with a client, or if I'm worried about you know some some uh, um, appointment that I have um, or something I need to do. Then I, I turn that over to God and, and you know show me show me what to do um, show me the right way to behave and react in that situation um, ask God for inspiration intuition um, and and you know along with my third step prayer just turn the day over turn my life over to God let Him run it and I don't have to worry about it that's not that's not future tripping. Um, I, I do this a day at a time, though. You know, I, I don't don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will come, and I'll I'll spend the morning in prayer meditation again about that day. Yeah, so it sort of talks about it here on the bottom of page eighty-seven too. <clears throat> that last paragraph begins. Um, I had numbered these, by the way, from guidance from Bill Bill S., my sponsor. If you go back on 86 and you see that beginning sentence of that paragraph, it says, when we retire at night, I have that uh, boxed out in red with the number one next to it. 
And then down below that, the next paragraph, it says, On Awakening. I have that boxed out in red with the number 2 next to it. And then over here on the bottom of 87, um, I have this, this last uh, paragraph, uh, the first sentence. As we go through the day, I have that boxed out in red with number 3 next to it. As these are three very important points of, of this particular part of the book. Anyway, so it says, As we go throughout the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. So now what we've done is we've taken what we bookended and we made it operative all day long. That's a God of my understanding. Because He's always there. So this is my way of trying to be there with Him. right? So here we are. When agitated or doubtful, we ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show I gotta constantly remind myself of that okay so I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself in that <laughs> and we're humbly saying to ourselves humbly saying to ourselves many times each day thy will be done we are then in much less danger of excitement fear anger worry self-pity or foolish decisions Boy, that's so true. We become much more efficient. Oh, that's pretty neat. Hmm. We do not tire so easily. That's cool. How many, how many of you like to take a nap in the afternoon, right? I know, it's part of being in the 50s, in our 50s too, isn't it? <laughs> oh my gosh. So we don't tire so easily. We are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. It works. It really does. How much energy did you burn up funding the addiction? Oh, my God. You want to talk about a triple life? I, I was burning through... I was... It was... It was it was just living hell, and I was putting myself through it. You know the amount of energy it takes to keep this circus moving. I was saying to put half that amount in my relationship with my wife, and have the best relationship on the planet. I know, right? Yeah. yeah, I think you guys can all relate, right? Look at how much time, money, effort, mental energy—just the mental energy—it was just astounding. You know, I used to think, you know, gosh, I gotta, I gotta be present here at work, you know, and I used to worry about that, you know, and I had good cause back when I was in the addiction, and and uh, good thing I had a great deal of expertise at what I was doing, um, man. But still, I, I'm much better today, you know, I'm a lot more present today. I can sit with a, with another person about a relatively complicated issue and I can listen to every word they say and stay with them I was just not available for that before I just wasn't going to happen I'm getting tidbits and trying to put together a puzzle you know it just wasn't happening so this stuff is really important because this is how we this is the, the step 11 part I like to think of it as potentially your moment by moment plan 
Your step 10 is your daily inventory, but your step 11 can be your moment-by-moment plan. It's going to change your life if you can finally get to a point. I'm still working on that. I'm still going in that direction. But this is huge. And it says right at the end of the paragraph, it works. It really does. Yeah. Or the amount of energy you expend uh, just trying to muscle your way through the day, trying to control everything, get everything to go your way. Oh, I know, right? Wow. You know, that was tiring. Yeah. Or, or um, uh, in my case, you know, being overwhelmed by the, by the amount of work I got in front of me, worrying about it, and then um, how am I going to get this done? Oh, my gosh. You know, fear. <clears throat> yeah, it gets scared. Um, and uh, you know, and then and then practicing that uh, sloth and five syllables thing, mm-hmm. you know, procrastination. procrastination. <laughs> um, but you know, if, if I if I leave all that stuff up to God, um, as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. Agitated or doubtful, getting overwhelmed with with the number of things on my to do list is that can be agitating. Doubtful, what do I do next? Ask for the right thought or action. Constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. Humbly saying to ourselves many times, many times each day, Thy will be done. Um, you know, when I when I pause and I ask for the next right action, I'm I'm basically opening up uh, I'm opening up some some time. Um, in and it's almost counterintuitive. It's like you know I don't have enough time in the day to get all this stuff done, but I've got to spend a little time doing nothing but asking God what the next right thing is. When I do that, um, sincerely, my mind opens up. I'm freed of a lot of that worry. I often get an inspiration about what the next right thing to do is. It might be taking that to-do list and breaking it down into, into such minute tasks that I can do something in the next two minutes and then just do the next thing in the next two minutes and the next thing. Um, what what Kevin's talking about right there is is a a kind of a by comparison anyway a calm cool collected way to run your day and and that's noteworthy because there wasn't much calm cool and collected about the way I was running my day before recovery Mm -hmm. so (laughs) just saying it's just an observation on my part but if you if you know what I mean you can relate to, to, you know, for guys like like me and, and guys like so many of us in, 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 in SA Recovery, um, these simple observations uh, need to be talked about because we can't assume that some of us have ever experienced any of these seemingly normal experiences of, of how your day goes. I, I think we can't assume that because I know how scrambled my thinking was. I know how seemingly frantic my head was so much of the time and you know this notion of sitting calmly and quietly somewhere was preposterous and it was wholly and completely unavailable 
I, you know, I was just, my life was just seemingly like a, a scramble all the time. And uh, so, so this is really important to, to talk about this. Yeah. That makes for a pretty hectic drive home, too. Yeah. Oh, a lot of road rage. Oh, yeah. yeah. One of these guys. I can go, go about my day calm and, and just knowing um, that I'm doing, um, doing the things that I, that I need to do based on, um, you know, what my, the intuition or the, the message I'm getting from God. Um, my day is a whole lot calmer. My drive home from work is just a drive home from work. Yeah, just to drive home from work now. It's it's not a battle. That's right. Um, and uh, it's, it, it just makes my day go a whole lot easier. We alcoholics or sexaholics are undisciplined. And so this is this is what I was getting at. So we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. Undisciplined. Before I had this going for me, um, just so undisciplined. I mean, not getting work done just because I didn't know what to do next, and disorganized, and and uh, you know, procrastination, and and basically just chaos. My life was just chaos. Never mind all the all the. Um, Sex addiction issues. Yeah, just, all the just other life. St- just the other stuff you were doing too yeah. that went along with that. Just life. Um, but I get this prayer and meditation going after having uh, you know uh, cleaned house. Um, after installing the new management, um, and I let God run my life, and I let Him discipline me. And that doesn't mean like, dis- like my father disciplined me. Oh no, nothing like that at all. <laughs> we found that out in step two, didn't we? <laughs> Discipline in this context to me means you know order. Yeah. Just, just order and and uh, calm. <clears throat> well, and the other thing I would invite you to do is that this discipline he's talking about that's set in the back of this this last chapter, right, leading up to the end of chapter six here in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. This discipline. Um, so we let God discipline us in a simple way we have just outlined Um, remember this is the God you want not the God you learned about remember this is the life you want not the life you had remember this is God's will and you remember what I said about God's will if you knew what God's will was you'd know you would find out it's exactly what you want for yourself anyway Now the discipline is something that I want. And I have problems with authority, okay? So when you talk to me about discipline, I'm not interested. Automatically, right off the bat. I'm on the negative side of that approach to that conversation. And so I have to have this part of it. It's, you know, I need to go through the what for and how come about why I'm interested in any discipline. And... So what I have done is I've moved off the intensity of my problems around authority and determined that this is a tract I really am interested in. 
my life is improved as a result of this in a way I desire it's what I want I even have to keep telling myself that it's how ingrained that is with me it's a big deal I know a lot of sex addicts that have a lot of problems with authority some will make me look pretty peaceful I sponsored one guy I told him I said alright so here's what we're going to do unless she's got a gun to your head you're not going to touch her do you understand me you're just not going to touch her at all. And I'm not doing it to protect her as much as I am trying to keep your ass out of jail. So we ain't, we can't help you as much if you're inside. Okay? It's harder. You've got to keep from getting arrested here. So just don't touch her. And this is a guy that has so much strength in his hands, you can't even believe it. He'd hurt you and not even know it. So, you know, he touches his wife. If he's at all worked up, She's got five bruises on her on her shoulder from his fingers, and he had anger management problems. This dude was a he was explosive, man. And we did a bunch of stuff together, and and he calmed right down. He's a big old sweetheart now. He still doesn't piss off very well, but he was never <laughs> going to piss off very well. That was the whole thing, you know. We needed to get this guy into a different mode. And it wasn't us doing it. God did for him what he could not do for himself because he put himself in the way of this recovery process. And by the time, you know, three, four years into it, he's just laughing and carrying on and happy and go lucky. And he got a lot of toxicity out of his life, so that was huge because he's not getting, he's not finding himself in these toxic scenarios anymore. And that, that went a long way. So, but he knew to do that finally. And, so this stuff can really change a tough case. He was a tough case. He was, he was like the like the Irish say, he was going the right way to jail, <laughs> and uh, wasn't going to end well for him. But um, you know, this stuff gets in your bloodstream and it calms you down. And I personally needed that um, a lot. I still need it a lot. Um, so. The, the other thing I, I want to talk about is what it looks like, um, what it can look like um, without this. It, this is how important it was for me to do this program. So my daughter was born in 98 in uh, December. And uh, so my wife had to have an emergency C-section. And I'm, I've got the baby. i got a brand new Suburban and um, in the car seat. And I'm coming back to the hospital because you know we had been overnight and um, she's still inside you know because she's healing from her c-section emergency c-section i'm coming down the lodge to go to the hospital and i had this guy in a black lincoln um cut me off and now you gotta remember i did, i have not gone to a meeting yet never been to an sa meeting i'm a functioning sexaholic I've sworn it off yet again. I'm going to get my shit together. I'm a father now. i got too much to do. This is over. And, you know, I was so mad at him because I had the child in the car that I knew the exit ramp he was getting on and I saw that the light was going to turn red and I was going to jump out of the car and I was going to, I was going to jump out of the truck and I was going to run up there and break his passenger door's rear window and drag him bodily out of that vehicle and throw him on the pavement. And as I was getting ready to open the door to do that, that's just how enraged I was, okay? 
As I was getting out of the truck to do that, I was getting ready to open the door, I thought, stop. What are the cops going to do with the baby? Because if they come, they're going to take you with them. And it gave me pause enough for the light to change, and he pulled away. And I got to sit and think about that for the last mile or so to the hospital. And I got the baby out of the suburban, and I went upstairs, and I got her settled in with her mom. And I told her mom, I got I to gotta go for a walk. I just I need to get out of here for a minute. I just need to go for a walk. I was trembling. I was shaking. I was so full of adrenaline. And I got outside and walked around outside. And I thought to myself, that was the craziest thing you've ever done. You are in trouble. You have got to stop living this way. And... And I got spared. I got spared from a lot of misery that day. It could have gone a lot worse than it did. And that's just how bad I make my life when I run it. Unsupervised. I was going to kill that guy. At least try. <laughs> I was that man. And that just that stuff's got to stop, man. That has just got to stop. So when... When I was working with other, that other dude that was going to about, you know, he, he was so dangerous to his wife. That's where I was coming from when I said to him, look, dude, you got to stop this. My therapist told me, he says, you got to stop driving like an asshole. I'm telling you, this is going to be a problem for you. And he was a really nice guy to me all the time. But that day he got in my face. He's never got in my face. That's how important it is. You know, we're road ragers. We don't piss off well. Because we get scared. When I get scared, I do mad well. And that's what that guy did. Is he scared me. So I do mad well. That's just how I roll. And that's why this is so important for me. I've got to get this going on. Because when I'm scared, I do mad well. And everybody around me pays for it. Um, and it's awful. It's just hateful. Like the Southerners say, you're just being hateful. <laughs> I love it. So, so you know, I'm not like that anymore. You know, I'll... I'll I'll get hauling sometimes when I'm in a hurry, and I'm I still drive, you know, like a southeastern Michigander. But I'm not sitting in the car all all hot and bothered anymore. You know, some dude's coming up behind me. If I'm doing 80 and he's doing 90, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let him go. You know, I'm gonna move over as soon as I can. He can just go on. I'm all right with that. I didn't used to be, you know, and uh, so anyway, I just I just. I just wanted to share some personal experience about why this Step 11 stuff is, is you know, so valuable to me because there's, there's a lot that's happened to me that this kind of new way of thinking has really gone a long way to, it's just gone a long way to dismantle a whole set of operating mechanisms that were just destructive. You know, and, and when you've got a story like that to tell, I think it needs to be said, it, it, you know, I'm just not doing that stuff anymore. That's so cool. But anyway, what else you got, Kevin? Well, I wanted to back up a, a paragraph here we, we skipped. Um, if circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious denomination, which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. Also, if not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers, which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. 
Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. That's good stuff. Yeah. So and you, you notice you, you covered all of them too. Pretty much covered. Uh, yeah, pretty much. You didn't have guru. <laughs> There's that. Yeah. So the um, which is cool because this isn't about any particular sect or denomination. It's about conscious contact with God. Right. And and uh, you know just like. Um, uh, just like he says in uh, uh, an earlier chapter about, I think it's in about alcoholism, more about alcoholism. Um, you know, we get help if we need it. You know, we're we're not against doctors, we're not against uh, you know outside help. We if if we need it, we get it. And and that's basically what's saying here. You know, it, don't don't uh, don't don't be put off by. Um, the information that you can get from from religious leaders. That's right. Make use of what they offer. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was a religious leader that uh, of mine that that uh, recommended the the therapist that I finally found that did the most good work for me. And that therapist is the one that told me about SA, and I'd never even heard SA before. So you know, there's a there's a lot to be said for what what. Um, our religious leader can uh, can have to offer. Uh, for me, it was a direct track to the solution. So, and in a second here, we'd like to actually go through a, through a meditation. Um, but I want to read a, a few things out of the twelve and twelve, just some selected uh, sentences. Um, at the beginning of this um, uh, step eleven. You know, we we read about retiring at night, awaking in the morning, reviewing our day. Um, and it looked a lot like uh, a lot like step ten or even step four, self-examination. Um, it says in the twelve and twelve on step eleven, on page ninety-eight, there is a direct linkage among self-examination, meditation, and prayer. Taken separately, these practices can bring much relief and benefit. But when they are logically related and interwoven, the result is an unshakable foundation for life. Now and then we may be granted a glimpse of that ultimate reality, which is God's kingdom. And we will be comforted and assured that our own destiny in that realm will be secure for so long as we try, however falteringly, to find and do the will of our own creator. So, self-examination, self-searching, meditation, and prayer. When we combine all those things, um, the, the result is um, beyond my own imagination. Um, then on page 99, uh, the, uh, there's some... Uh, presented the 11th step prayer which is the uh, St. Francis prayer um, I'm, I'm going to read that because I think this is this is one of the I, I haven't completely memorized this prayer but it's in my I, I have a list of uh, inspirational um, texts and prayers in my, in my iPhone which I can call up at any time and and uh, this, is, this is one of the things in there. Um, so this 
prayer of St. Francis goes like this, Lord, make me a channel of thy peace, that where there is hatred, I may bring love, that where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness, that where there is discord, I may bring harmony, that where there is error, I may bring truth, that where there is doubt, I may bring faith, that where there is despair, I may bring hope, that where there are shadows, I may bring light, that where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek rather than rather to comfort than to be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved. For it is by self-forgetting that one finds. It is by forgiving that one is forgiven. It is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. Amen. Every time I read that prayer, it brings tears to my eyes. Uh All right. That's powerful stuff. What page is that prayer? Page 99 in the 12 and 12. It's it's known as the St. Francis Prayer, yeah. There's some more good information in, in a 12 and 12 about about prayer and meditation. Um, uh, this is over here on page 101, near the near the bottom. Meditation is something which can always be further developed. I, I just selected things I have underlined. <clears throat> Um, and, and this is kind of, uh, skip over to page 105 in the middle, in the 12 and 12. All of us, without exception, pass through times when we can pray only with the greatest exertion of will. Occasionally, we go even further than this. We are seized with a rebellion so sickening that we simply won't pray. And they're done that. When these things happen, we should not think too ill of ourselves. We should simply resume prayer as soon as we can, doing what we know to be good for us. Anybody ever been angry with God? You know what? God can take it. (laughs) Yeah. The noise we make doesn't last long enough for him. <laughs> In the grand scheme, right? God, uh, it's like fighting with a service engineer. You know, y'all think I don't like this. <laughs> You want to fight with God? You go ahead. He loves it. Because He always has the best outcome. And it's just a matter of how long you want to be muddy. You know? um, I, that's my way of looking at it. I don't know if it's even right or it's got any theological basis at all. And I really don't guess I care too awful much. But 
Um, yeah, a good fight with God helped me a number of times because for me the fight was really a, a kind of a, you know, most of the time anyway, it was a purging. There was something in me that had to be purged and, and uh, that was just the way it was going to go, you know. And uh, so I got on with it. It's probably better to just get on with it, you know. Do what you need to do. As ugly as it might be, do what you need to do, you know. It's uh, it'll, it, this too shall pass, right? So I was in Florida. I used to live there a couple of years, Fort Lauderdale area. And uh, you know, a buddy of mine, I met down there, I was going to go to a concert. And I have a Grim Reaper tattoo on my arm, and I was getting ready to go, and I saw my tattoo in the mirror, and I just pictured, you know, getting some shit, you know, fighting, doing whatever. I'm, I'm a pretty peaceful guy. And uh, we get in the uh, we get in the car. We live by the intercoastal, and uh, we sat at the bridge trying to go the way for the traffic. And he's looking at this, uh, looking at this out. He's from Oklahoma, you know. And he's kind of a Mexican Mexican dude, kind of squinting and stuff. He's like, "What the hell is that up there?" And I go, "That's an owl, man." He goes. It ends up being one of those things they put up there to keep birds out. You know? Yeah, kind of a plastic owl. Yeah. yeah. And so we're checking it out. We've never seen one before. And I'm, he's got a little itty bitty car, man. I'm sitting looking like this. And, and uh, some other guys, you know, talk, telling us where it is. And we take off. And we're still looking at it. And he rear ends the back of a car in front of us. And I'm, I'm turning like this, and my head goes into the windshield. Um, uh, I, we end up not going to the concert. You know, my, my boss was picking glass out of my head, and uh, later that night I go home and I think about the whole thing, and I think, you know, God loved me so much, He put my head through a windshield, because whatever happened there was probably worse when I went to the concert. Yeah, as bad as that was, it was much less than what could yeah, have happened. Yeah, you know, and I, and so, as soon as it happened, and I, later on, when I was after I got done getting my glass on my head, I thought of that in the respect of, you know, I was already prepping to be in a bad situation, so he took me out of it with that. Yeah. So, we got a few happened, marks. Whether that's what happened or not, I don't know, but that's what I think of it. So. Yeah. yeah, it works for me. I spent two years in Docker, and that was like in the heart of it, so. That's why I believe. That. Yeah, that's no, that's good stuff. Cause that's that's you know that's the way you gotta look at it. You know, things can be bad. Things things might really be bad in your world. They might also be a lot worse. And and we'll never know that, which is probably why it's happening the way it's happening. And you know, I'm I'm I find anymore that I'm on a need to know basis with God. Um, and there's a lot of stuff I don't need to know. <laughs> that used to really bug me, you know. But it's always been true. And, uh, it's, it, well, you know, I'm just on a need-to-know basis with God. And I'm not going to know if I don't do step 11, you know, or some some parts of it that, that you know, that are going on. And, and right now, the step 11 plan for conscious contact with God is the most effective and efficient one I've ever seen. So why would I do that? And I'll, I'll get to know what I need to know real well um, if I'm doing this this work of having this practice of some kind built into the daily affairs of my life, 
that puts me in conscious contact with a God I'm interested in doing that with. You know, that was the big thing that we go back to step two about. I'm not talking to some, you know, medieval concoction of some higher power here that was developed by some church or some religious mind that's forced upon me like they used to force upon religion to certain sects of populations in our in the history of humankind. This isn't something that's pushed upon me. This is something I'm interested in. Remember what it said? You know, Bill Wilson wasn't interested in God until Ebby said to him, I don't want you to take some God that's been developed for you. I want you to have a God of your own understanding. See, that got Bill Wilson's attention because in his entire life, I don't, I don't think anyone ever said that to him. That was as brand new as anything he'd ever heard. And it stopped him in his tracks. And by God, it was, this, it was almost a cornerstone on which he built Alcoholics Anonymous. It wasn't long after that, he got sober. So think about the significance of that. I'm, like I said earlier, i got a problem with authority. That's my problem. That's a character defect in mine. Okay? What it does is it disables me from taking... It disables me from taking discipline. It disables me from taking advice a lot of the time, some of it I need. It, it causes me to question things I shouldn't be questioning. I should just be doing. And it's very disruptive to my life. It's a character defect. See? And so i got to keep going back to the fact that this God I'm going to in step 11 is something I desire. Let's not forget that, Bob. You don't get to fight about this. This is something of your own making. Okay? It's not something you're going to fight about. Just relax and be. It's finally okay. It's just finally okay. It's finally okay. And there's all these great tools like the Prayer of St. Francis. You know, this is what it looks like to have this fundamental shift of, of attitude. The psychological change sufficient to expel the obsession. Because when I'm here, I'm not obsessed. I couldn't get the obsession machine to stop before. That damn thing was always on. You know? And it's just not on anymore. It's just not on. So we're at about uh, the end of the Step 11 discussion, don't you think, Kevin? Yeah. Um, what do we want? We, we wanted, how, how many have, have actually meditated before? Raise your hand. Well, okay, so so it seems to be a, a few, few of you that are unsure about what meditation really is. Um, <clears throat> the, the big book doesn't uh, prescribe, nor does the 12 and 12, prescribe um, any particular way of meditation. It doesn't really teach meditation. Um, just says that there's, you know, there are a number of ways you know, it can be done. It's a very personal thing. Um, to me, meditation is, is the getting calm, clearing my mind, so that I can hear, as it were, God's voice. So that, so that I'm, I'm making room to be disciplined, instructed by God. Um, in practical terms, what that really means is, is that I'm clearing away the junk so that I can um, have some uh, clean... Uh, you know, intuitions or quality time with yeah, God. Yeah, just, just some quality time, right. 
um, free of all the distractions um, of, of everything out there. And so that's meditation. Prayer is, is the me talking to God. And um, I, uh, Big Book gives us some suggestions about what to pray, not praying for myself or, or my own uh, self-interest, but uh, praying for what others would have. Many of the prayers, especially in the, in the fourth step, are obviously for, for other people. Um, just helping, praying for God to help me see them as sick people. Uh, what, what can I do to help? Um, but I try to spend more time in meditation listening um, than, than I do praying and talking. And um, so there's a number of ways that, that, that I meditate, that I've learned to meditate. And, and again, you know, as we read, don't, uh, don't hesitate to, to learn from religious leaders. Um, my, my, the, the best teaching I had on meditation was, was um, I was sharing this with Bob driving over here. Uh, my wife had decided she wanted to um, visit this um, ashram in Ann Arbor. Uh, Indian, I'm not even sure what religion it was. I think nominally Hindu, but but um, that uh, they have certain periods set aside each week for an hour, um, where 30 minutes were spent just um, uh, doing like uh, chanting and, and singing, and then 30 minutes of silent meditation. The only only other thing going on was some some light. Very, very soft um, music in the background. Um, and I, I did that four or five weeks in a row. And there was no instruction on, on meditating. Just just sit there and be silent. And I was I was absolutely amazed. You know, the first time it was it was really difficult. It was like I got through ten minutes and 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 I'm sitting in a chair and my legs are starting to tingle. <laughs> and I'm starting to think, how much longer is this going to go on? Um, I don't believe I had a watch on, so I didn't really have any idea of how much time had passed. Um, which I, that that's the good thing too, you know, not watching the time pass as you meditate. That's pretty important. Um, but the second time I went there, I was able to get through about 20 minutes without. Uh, before I started feeling like, you know, when is this ever going to end? And eventually, you know, after I got through all the all the thinking about when is this going to end, and 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 God, my back is hurting, and I got this tingling in my arm, and and you know, I'm noticing other si- sounds. Um, Eventually, all that quieted down, and I was thinking of nothing, just emptying my mind. Um, and it's really, it was really amazing to me just how calm, um, how calming that was. Um, I, I went out of those those sessions feeling like I had, um, like I was breathing cleaner. Clearer, almost like uh, I I just finished a, a real vigorous workout, 
or, or a, a yoga session or you know swimming um, for, for a while um, you, you may identify with that feeling where everything just feels fresh you know um, after coming out after a dive right? yeah it was just amazing so you know there's no right or wrong way to meditate there are there are a few ways that, that um, you know there there are a few different methods of uh, meditation that you can learn from books or, or even uh, there's some you know, YouTube videos um, guided meditations and whatnot but uh, how do you want to do this Bob do you want to do guided meditation or or just um, a silent meditation for 15 well, I, I think we can uh, we can go off tape and just um, we can uh, we can do a, a simple beginning um, and uh, I, I can you know maybe get started on some breathing and then you can take it from there if you want to do that how's that sound that sounds good okay so because this will be extremely boring on tape we're gonna end the recording and we'll come back on recording for step 12 I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.